God's grace, which is that undeserved love, and His mercy, which is God taking that undeserved love and applying it to your life and saying, rather than what we deserve, I will give you what I have won for you. So God's grace and His mercy and His peace, which is something we frequently speak of because we are now at peace with God through the work of Christ. Those things are all yours through Christ our Savior. And and we meet together in his name. But do you realize what I just did? I greeted you this morning using some very specific church words. And as I sometimes do, I took the time to kind of explain them. But that's something that we do a lot. Not we, just this congregation, but Christians have their own lingo. We have our own way of talking sometimes. Because we take words from the Bible. But, but have you ever thought about how someone who is brand new to the Christian faith, or simply being exposed to it for the first time, they hear words that sometimes seem strange. This is the place where, where we'll talk about justification. One of the best words you will ever hear. Justification. The righteous declaration of a perfect God declaring you and me just or forgiven because of the work of Christ. And yet, we love that word. We treasure it. But for a lot of people, justification, that's just a church word. Sanctification. The word that we use to describe that having been set apart from this world because we've been called out of the darkness to represent God in this world. We are now growing in our faith and in the truth and in the knowledge. It's our Christian lives on display. But again, that word, Christian lingo. But I think the one that really throws people for a loop or just bothers them is when we refer to each other as brothers and sisters. Because we're not. At least not in the common way. And so it sounds kind of creepy. It sounds kind of weird. It sounds kind of strange to refer to each other as a family of faith until you realize just how true those words are. And so my hope for you is as we go through our our sermon text today and as we go through this core value of supporting each other like a family, we don't just use those words as throwaway words anymore. But rather we think through what it means to actually be a family united around God's word and what that means for our interaction and our life. So to do that, I'm going to read a section from Acts chapter 2. And in this section, we see one of the first Christian families, at least in the New Testament, coming together. This is what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. 
All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's the word of our Lord. So I don't know if you remember last week. Last week when we came together, we were blessed through the words of the Apostle John's revelation. We were blessed to have a sneak peek, and we talked about how sneak peeks can really get us excited for what the future holds. And the sneak peek was, there we are, we're getting a 30-second glimpse into the throne room of heaven, and we're just astounded and amazed by what we see. We see unity and diversity because we see people of all different tribes and nations and languages coming together, singing praises to their glorious God. That's a sneak peek that gets us excited for now, but today we do the opposite. We don't look to the future, but rather we look to the past. And instead of a sneak peek, we really just take a look at a snapshot of the first New Testament Christian church. And really, that's what the book of Acts does for us. Acts of the Apostles, it talks about that progression from Jesus and his apostles to the saving work of Jesus, to his death on the cross, to his resurrection from the dead, and then he ascends into heaven, and then the big question is, what now? And that's where the book of Acts starts. And so what we see in the book of Acts is we see, here Jesus is having entrusted the ministry to people like you and me. To his witnesses. And so as you read through the book of Acts, you see the disciples kind of looking at each other and saying, well, what do we do now? And so they gathered together in Jerusalem and maybe you remember that they, they had the Holy Spirit come upon them in that magnificent but unusual way on the day of Pentecost. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, it allowed them to teach and to preach God's word to so many people at one time. And that's where our text then picks up. What does this group of people who know the truth about a Savior from sin, what do they do now? And the answer is they come together like a family. They're in Jerusalem. They come together like a family because what ties them together is stronger than anything else they have ever experienced. Now maybe you're going to say, Pastor, I I just read that section with you in Acts chapter 2 and I don't see anything in there that mentions the word family and you're right. But think about what unites them. Because at this snapshot, we see people who are regularly getting together and doing some amazing things with Christ and his message as the center of everything. And if you were to do DNA tests, you would find out that the people gathering together were not 
physical brothers and sisters. They were not physical mothers and children. Although there may have been some in the mix, we're talking about a hodgepodge of people who have been brought together under amazing circumstances. And I can't help but think of you guys. Because we could do the DNA test. We could do the, the, uh, the, 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 the exciting new technology that's going to show where we came from and, and who we are. And we might uncover some surprising results. And there are some family members who are together today. But one of the neat things is that we're not all related. But yet we come together on a regular basis. Why? What is it that ties this family together? Well, we'll think back to this first Christian congregation. All they had was each other. Do you realize that they were swimming upstream in Jerusalem in the first century? They were the epitome of countercultural. And so you can imagine that some of them lost everything when they found Christ which in essence means they gained everything as well. These are people who, who were going against the grain of society because they were giving up on their old ways and their old beliefs, and they were realizing that in Jesus we had the game changer, but that might have meant strained family relationships. Or it might have meant unemployment now. It might have meant not having access to the things that they needed to sustain their own lives. And so what are they going to do? They band together because the truth of a Savior from sin is greater than losing any of those other things. And oh, the joy of getting together regular with men and women who believe and know the same truth. And the family tie is as strong as it's ever been. You see, these are men and women who found out what it means to have a Savior. One of the key words in the description that we have is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That meant that of all the things that they could do, spending their their time on and, and dedicating their lives on, they were saying, this teaching that we have that has been handed down to us from the apostles who were witnesses of what Jesus has done This is the game changer. This is what we need. This is what gives us hope for this life and the one to come. They were devoted. They're saying, we have now experienced the truth and it has changed our lives and we never want to let go of it. We want to keep it in our presence forever. And so they encouraged each other by getting together around that teaching. That's what brings us together today. There are all kinds of clubs out in the world. There are all kinds of hobbies that we could have. And if you like to go backpacking or mountain climbing or or bicycling, you can find all kinds of people who have similar passions and you can find your niche, you can find your group. But I will say this. There can be nothing more compelling than gathering together around the one who has guaranteed your spot in heaven. 
And the reason we're here as a family is because we know that we have been brought into a new family. We have been brought into God's family, but here's where the disconnect sometimes happens. Have you ever noticed that when we have baptisms? It's a, it's a joyful moment, sometimes too joyful for the pastor. But we have, the, we have a baptism here, and we think about that child or the adult who are being baptized, being brought into God's family, and we frequently refer to them as God's child. Water in the word, what a magnificent tool that the Lord has given us to bring someone into the family of God. But I think the disconnect starts there. We celebrate the reality of a child of God, but we don't always think about the horizontal relationship that means. If you all are children of God, we all are brothers and sisters. And that means we have a duty to one another. We have the opportunity then to come together regularly as children of God, looking at each other with with fellow believers and saying, let's never open up our hand and let go of this great thing. Because what ties us together is stronger than anything else here on earth. Our hope is intertwined as we lay our hope on the center of all Christ. And so we devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings, and the reality is is that at times that's going to put us on the outs with other people. Sometimes even our own flesh and blood. I pray that you haven't had to experience that, but I know that it's true at times that sometimes our devotion to God's word and to what God says is right and wrong and to what God says is the way to heaven and to what God says is the role of Jesus, embracing that and trusting in that and seeing the comfort in that can sometimes put us at odds with those who don't see that. And whereas that hurts, there is comfort in being able to come together as a new family and to build each other up and to grow in that faith and to support one another and to shoulder each other's burdens. See, we're talking about family matters now. Our tie as a family is based on the fact that we have our knowledge of a Savior. And we're brought into the family. But now, how do we conduct ourselves as a family? We don't want to read too much into this snapshot, but look at it again. All the believers were together, it says. And later it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Here here we have some amazing descriptives. And yeah, we're talking about a different time and a different place. But whereas we might not replicate some of the actions, the attitudes hold true. With glad and sincere hearts, they enjoyed being with each other. With glad and sincere hearts, They looked at each other as a blessing and not as a curse. They looked at each other as an asset 
and not as a nuisance. That's what we have in each other. As a family of faith, we have a group of people who are dedicated to the same cause because they know their Savior and they bring with them a whole skill set that can be used together for the betterment of the church and one another. We get to serve each other in love with sincere hearts. But, you guys know, like I know, that not every family relationship goes well. Dysfunction is a common word in our family. And we all have it. I don't care who you think you are. If you have more than one person in your family, there's been dysfunction. There has been fighting. There's been jealousies. There have been moments of discord where you look at that other person and you don't treasure them. We see that all the time. Our family goes through it. Yours does as well. And guess what? It even happens here in the body of Christ. We, my friends, are not a perfect family on our own account. And so it's, un- it's common, unfortunately, for people to start to get bothered with one another or to not appreciate each other as we should. It's common for jealousies to arise. It's common for us even to decide, I don't want to be a part of that family anymore. So what do we do? We take a step back and we see the value of the Christian family that we are. But sometimes we fall into the habit of thinking that church is a building and thinking that church is a one day a week thing rather than church is the living, breathing, individual parts of the body of Christ coming together to form the whole. It's you and me coming together and supporting each other. We are a church that is devoted to one who has forgiven our sins. And as we are forgiven, we can overcome the dysfunctions that start to show themselves in a congregational life. When I look at this section from Acts chapter 2, it almost seems too simplistic. It almost seems like a like a Norman Rockwell painting, if you know Norman Rockwell, where it's a different time and, and they didn't have the same stresses as we have now. And yet that's not true. These were men and women who were fighting for their lives and yet they found joy and comfort in each other as they encouraged them mutually in the word of God. And I state that's the same today. We are fighting for our lives and for our future. We might not be fighting because we are running out of money or because we're going to lose our job tomorrow because of the Christian faith, but I say we're fighting a whole different battle, but for the same stakes. We're fighting for the next generation. We're fighting to maintain Christ as the head rather than relegating him to a secondary position. We're fighting as a family 
to continue to support one another in the moments of weakness so that rather than falling out of the body of Christ and being forgotten, we bring them back, strengthen them, and are mutually edified. That's why we come together. And that's what our congregation is blessed to be able to do. We support each other like a family because Christ is the head. We do sometimes use words that we don't always explain. But don't ever make excuses for talking about each other as a brother or a sister in Christ. But rather, use it as a talking point to show people the value of the Christian faith. We are united in a way that we could never have imagined. The love of Christ dwells in us. Sins are forgiven. We encompass that and we encompass each other and as one body, we show to the world what it is to serve God as he has served us. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus our Lord. Amen.